Dante's Divine Comedy begins with famous words midway along the journey of our life. I woke to found myself in a dark wood, for I had wandered off from the straight path. Incidentally, I'll be using the Penguin Classics uh, translation by Mark Muser here um, when I read things out. It's really good, um, both in terms of the translation, but also in terms of the notes it provides, helping you through all those details for which the Divine Comedy is famous as well. But already we're launched midway. This is the year 1300 when Dante sets the beginning of his journey, actually on Good Friday when he begins. He's 35, halfway through the three school years and ten. And there's this powerful sense already, which we can relate to, of a life that has established him in the world. He's by, by now already a famous poet, um, but also he has come up against many of the serious trials and tribulations of his life in Florence, um, the, uh, the conflicts between the Guelphs and the Ghibellines. Um, and so he's asking himself, what is this life really about? He's midway through his life and he has found himself strayed from the path that he thought was straight. Um, and he's in this dark wood um, that's confusing, um, that's bitter, um, and that leaves him full of fear. Has everything that he's been questing for been lost already midway through life? It's a big metaphor to this journey. Um, he thinks he's been on the journey of life, and yet he hasn't even really begun it. Um, that's what the Divine Comedy reveals to him, that the journey he's going to go on is far greater than he could have possibly imagined. Um, so it's a big metaphor um, that's already been set up here. Um, it's one that's really labyrinthine in the particular sense that although it's full of twists and turns and often seems to be taking you away from the centre as much as leading you towards it, at the end of the day you can't actually make any wrong turnings, no matter how dark and difficult those turnings seem to be. It's labyrinthine in that sense. Um, it's held by something greater than you can possibly be imagining um, when you're on the journey. Um, but it's also an odyssey. Um, the lots of references to Virgil's um, account of the Odyssey, harking back to Homer's account of um, the Odyssey as well. And um, so it's a long journey full of strange encounters um, that you don't even particularly understand, and yet somehow are part of the richness of this cosmos that you had no sense of when you were lost midway through the journey of your life. Dante says he woke, um, but he kind of wakes up into a living dream. Um, this forest that he finds himself in in the first canto um, is a strange forest that once it's dark and full of twisted roots and then it's a hill that he's trying to ascend and then he sees the sun and then he's back down in a valley again. Um, it's a strange slippery kind of place um, that he has awoken to, not to the final goal in other words, um, but awakened to his trial and his tribulation, to his difficulty. Um, but maybe that's the first step. Um, that we must wake up to where we're actually at. Um, we can only begin where we're at, and if we are deluded into thinking we might be somewhere else, then we're not ever, even going to be able to start. Um, so he wakes up to where he's at. Um, and for me, this is already giving like key indicators to what this journey is about. Um, you know, this is a great poem. It's a great story. Um, it's full of the real people and um, crimes um, that he encountered um, during his day, as well as the saints um, and um, people of great inspiration and spirit too. Um, but it's also an inner journey at the very same time. It's a both and. 
Um, he must know where he is internally as much as where he is externally if he's to go on it. And sure enough, when he says, I'm going to recount this journey, um, and he, he, as he does as Dante the poet writing the words, at the same time you have Dante the pilgrim who actually went on this journey too. And he says that his old fears returned, um, which is really fascinating too, because although Dante the writer, Dante the poet, has been to paradise, um, he is still able to recollect his old fears. He's still able to bring them to mind. Um, and I think that's another really early indicator of um, what this kind of journey that he's talking about involves. Um, it involves giving everything a place, much as everything finds its place in the cosmos he describes. So in terms of his inner um, journey, everything gets a place. Um, and that's a, that's a key um, insight as well as to what this journey is going to evolve. It's not about um, healing in the sense of forgetting. It's not even about healing um, in the sense that things don't matter anymore. anymore. Things increasingly matter, but they matter so they can have a place, um, which is why in this early stage, he says his fears return. And then he gives the gloss on it. Dante, the poet, gives the gloss on that. And he says, if we're to know the good, we must know fully what's not good. And again, I think this is a, just a fascinating early kind of insight um, that it's only when we know uh, what's bad that we can have a real appreciation for what's good. And we can only know about, uh, about things like love um, and hope and when we know about things like evil and envy. Um, uh, again, there's something really profound about this journey that he's setting up for us. And I think that's why it, it's most fully and rightly called actually an initiation um, this is not going to just be asking what he knows, as it were, extending what he knows um, by his um, capabilities um, when he begins the journey. Um, this is also going to be a profound challenge to how he even knows. Um, it's going to be a shift of consciousness, not just an extension of consciousness. Um, and that's what can be called an initiation. And initiations only really happen through trial and through tribulation, through difficulty, when those are uh, embraced um, uh, bravely um, and undergone, um, because whilst they can seem almost impossible at the time, um, it's that very impossibility that makes new things possible. And this is the thrill of really reading the Divine Comedy. Um, it's not just an account of, as it were, one man's biography. It takes you too through a kind of virtual initiation um, that uh, can work on you and extend your consciousness. Um, which is why it's worth reflecting on um, and dwelling on and spending time with. Now, this is under accentuated with the next thing that happens in the first canto, uh, where Dante says that um, he sees a hilltop and he sees the sun and he has a moment of hope. Um, uh, the sun always brings hope um, in the Divine Comedy. It stands for um, the light of God, the sort of reason, the direction, the orientation of the divine. Um, if you can see the stars and see the sun, then you can never go too far wrong. Um, things that aren't seen in the inferno, seen in hell. Um, but nonetheless, he, he, as it were, um, rushes towards the hill in the hope that actually he's almost at his journey's end, um, that this was just a passing day's depression or difficulty. Um, and so he steps towards the hill, but immediately he's confronted by um, the famous three creatures of the first canto. Um, this is the dancing leopard, um, the strong lion, um, and the lean and hungry she-wolf. And um, I think that what these stand for um, is uh, um, three elements that he thought he understood 
um, but he um, is beginning to see that he didn't understand at all. And they're the three elements um, of wisdom, of love and of virtue. So the dancing leopard, um, I think, stands for a kind of reduced or even perverted kind of wisdom that thinks it knows how to respond in every moment, but actually doesn't. Um, the proud um, erect lion um, that, uh, that comes straight towards him, I think that stands for a kind of love, um, but it terrifies him at this moment. Um, and so um, he backs off and moves back down this little mountain he's found. Um, and then the lean and hungry um, she-wolf, I think that stands for, um, for virtue that's actually not understood and so has become a kind of vice. And he wants to consume and possess and hold on um, rather than kissing the joy as it flies, to quote another great poet of initiation, William Blake. Um, and so he encounters these three creatures um, about which has been much debate in the commentary. But I wonder whether that's what they stand for, um, for a kind of perverted or reduced, immature and um, dysfunctional, you might say, um, wisdom, love um, and virtue. Um, and so he's been confronted with what he must understand and um, these beasts um, and cease to be frightened of um, and so approach them in the shadows in the dark side. To put it another way, um, he must descend before he can ascend. Um, and this seems too much for him. Um, but again, it's a kind of really powerful trope that you find in a lot of um, discussions about initiation journeys. It's there in Plato, in the Republic, for example. Um, the Republic begins with a descent um, down to the, to the docks where they see a strange festival um, before um, Socrates is ready to experience Diotima's famous ascent um, later in the dialogue. Um, uh, it's there in the Christian idea of the descent from heaven in the incarnation before the return to God as well. Um, and so Virgil, uh, sorry, um, so Dante's just beginning to realise, as Virgil is about to tell him, um, that he must descend before he can ascend. Um, and sure enough, on this threshold, on this change of direction that he um, had no sense that he would be invited to undertake, um, Virgil appears who's going to be his guide through hell and through the purgatory. Um, now, I think Virgil appears because Virgil is, as, he, is, as Dante says, is his great first teacher. Um, and there's something there about the freshness of the first teacher, um, the teacher with whom you first had the sense of what's possible in life, um, but perhaps were too young or immature to really fully understand it or embrace it. Um, so his first teacher returns to him at this point. And of course, Virgil, um, as a writer of um, the Odyssey, um, the, the founding of the Rome through the journey of Aeneas and so on, um, is one who knows a lot about journeys and particularly journeys through darkness. Um, but Virgil, um, he learns, is also there um, at Beatrice's request. Um, this woman that he saw very early in his life, hardly spoke to um, before she died, um, but nonetheless stirred love in him. Um, almost a kind of infatuation, we might say now. And yet that young love, too, like the young sight of the first teacher, um, it, it gives him the energy that's going to be required um, to embark upon this request. And I love this idea that that young, seemingly mad, immature love actually has at the heart of it um, the energy that he needs, um, which he can now, as it were, begin to gather up and orientate himself around as he moves off um, at the beginning of his descent and to discover that which isn't good in order to be able to appreciate that which is. Um, and their guides too, and this is really important, this is why it's a divine comedy and not a divine tragedy. Um, you know, the point about comedy um, is that it has a happy ending, um, but that it's bigger than the tragedy in the sense of having a happy ending, that it can embrace um, and, and see um, all of the tragic things in life 
and yet still hold on to that which is good. Um, and when you're at this embarking point in life, you need a guide. You need someone who has undergone that journey, um, who can keep faith, if you like, um, can, can, can help you with the practical wisdom that you need to learn and grow on the way. Um, and so um, an early message in the Divine Comedy, too, is that you, um, if you find yourself troubled in life and realise you're going to have to make a descent to understand that trouble, then you need to seek out guides, whether they be virtual guides like Dante or actual people um, that may be able to help you through life. Now, what also happens um, at the beginning of uh, the Divine Comedy, particularly in Hell, um, is that the attitudes that Dante has that are gradually, gradually going to be reformed um, are expressed um, at this, this moment. Um, and, for example, um, he describes Virgil as having been born under false and lying gods. Um, now, these are the gods before Christianity, and um, particularly for us, perhaps reading it now, it seems a bit harsh, false and lying gods. And, you know, aren't we more enlightened than that? But time and time again, I think we'll see, particularly in the Inferno, um, that the attitudes of the kind of hellish state are just expressed directly. And then when we come to the purgatory and to the paradise, we'll see how those things are adjusted. Um, this again is the initiation um, that we're going to go on. It's not just, as it were, boosting what you think you know, but what you think you know itself changes and often changes very, very dramatically. So he's got to know where he starts from and he starts from rather... Um, narrow from rather unsophisticated, um, even rather aggressive sort of Christian, simple Christian assumptions um, about Virgil's old gods. Um, and, and we also, this, this, this in this first canto, also get a really lovely early taste of the kind of psychology of this. Um, there's going to be a lot, a lot of wisdom about uh, inner states and um, how uh, attitudes um, shape people. And for example, we get a glimpse of it with um, the lean and hungry wolf. Um, who is said to um, have the hunger that whatever it eats, whatever she eats, um, doesn't satisfy and just makes her want to eat more. Um, it's a kind of insatiable hunger. And um, this is a really, you know, sort of fascinating um, little glimpse of the kind of insights we're going to get enlarged and amplified all the way through um, uh, the Divine Comedy. Um, that this, this wolf, which if it stands for virtue, that's immature and therefore is vice-like, and one of the characteristics of that um, is that um, it, it doesn't deliver satisfaction, it just wants more. Um, it doesn't deliver full vision, it just wants to accumulate more and more and more. Um, the beginnings of the kind of insights which we're going to um, have unpacked for us. Um, so in this first canto, um, we've both um, got Dante beginning on his journey, um, but we've got it described as a particular kind of journey. Um, he's on a threshold towards an initiation. Um, which is labyrinthine. It's going to have lots of twists and turns um, and seemingly taking him away from what he desires more and more and more. But actually, that is the way towards what he desires more and more and more. And the canto, first canto begins with a summary. They're going to go through the inferno. They're going to go through the purgatorio before they finally reach the paradiso, um, the heaven. Uh, Virgil gives Dante just a quick summary of that. Dante doesn't really take it in. He's still terrified in this forest midway through his life, um, waking to this unpleasant, fearful dream. And so the canto ends with him clinging close to his newfound guide, Virgil, as they set off. <laughs>